Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. And he's going to move from from just giving such a a tragic, dark portrait of the human race, because that's really what it is. I mean, he, he said that man wanted to suppress the truth about God like we didn't want to know about God. And then we decided we would just try and replace God with idols or self-worship or whatever it might be. And then we moved from there to just outright rebellion against God. So it wasn't a pretty portrait that he paints of the human race. But he moves from talking about man's great sin and condemnation to talking about God's great grace and salvation. And that's what we're going to be looking at in this section of of Romans. That's where we start today. Today's message is this, salvation is by faith in Christ alone. Not works, not you being good, not anything of yourself. Salvation, the Bible teaches, is completely, totally based upon Jesus Christ, faith in Him alone. Look with me in these verses in uh, in Romans chapter 3, and uh, I'm going to read about 10 verses today, and we'll try and make our way uh, through that. But beginning in uh, in verse 21, the Bible says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction for all who sin and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is it, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is He not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. As we look at these ten verses today, I, I want us to be, I mean, I want us to be thankful for what's said here, but I want us to really, really be serious. I hope and pray this morning that you will evaluate your condition before God and be completely honest with yourself because He knows. Be honest with yourself where you stand between you and God. I hope you'll 
completely evaluate whether or not you've experienced this great salvation we're going to talk about, a salvation that you don't deserve and I don't deserve and we cannot do anything to earn that is completely ours by the unmerited favor, grace of God through faith in Jesus. I hope you'll seriously, seriously evaluate that as we talk about salvation is by faith in Christ alone. The bad news was condemnation because of sin. The good news is salvation by faith in Christ. That's the good news that we have. I want us to look at three main topics this morning. The first one is frustration. Frustration. Frustration by the law in, in works or, or through the law in, in works. Have you ever really been frustrated? Have you ever had a day that was just really, really a frustrating day? That's probably a stupid question, isn't it? Maybe you've just got through having a, a very frustrating week, or you may be thinking to yourself, man, I've got frustrating months, or I've had a frustrating year. Somebody might be thinking, man, I, I've had a frustrating life. And I understand that. I, I can get very frustrated a lot of times. If you don't believe me, you can talk to my wife sometime. Don't do it while I'm around. I won't hear it. But I can, man. I, I, I can get frustrated with myself. You know, disappointed with myself, frustrated with me. I, I get frustrated with our culture, and man, it just seems to be getting worse, you know, as I try and, and, and wrestle with that. I, I can get frustrated with, with, with my family. I, I can get frustrated with you guys sometimes. I might not show it, but I'm just telling you, I can be a really frustrated guy sometimes. Can, can you be? You know, just have a really, really frustrating time. Man, this past week was kind of like that for me. It was it was really frustrating because I had several things cut into study time. And if I don't like having my, my normal study time kind of the way I want to do it, it, it drives me a little bit crazy uh, anyway. But some of the things were very needful. Like on, on Tuesday, I just felt compelled to, to get to go to the funeral service for the deputy in Watauga that was that was killed and to go up there and, and participate in, in, in that and kind of honor him as, as a fallen hero. So that, that's one day uh, that was taken out. For a, a few weeks now, we've been trying to figure out what was wrong with Bethany's washing machine. And, and some of you think, well, so what? Washing machines mess up. Yeah, but we, we bought one of these front load washers because the way your house is laid out, you have to use the stacking units in there. So we, you know, and they don't give those away. You understand that? I mean, that's mega bucks when you go buy the front load stuff. So we, we had purchased that. She called and said it stopped working, told me what the code was. I went and got her book, looked it up, been trying to trouble shoot it and everything like that, pull a filter out, clean it, you know, be sure the drain's clear and everything. That's what it was saying and kept doing it, filling up, doing it, filling up, doing it, filling up. It wouldn't drain out, so you had to drain it manually. So like for, I don't know, two or three weeks, I'd been messing with that thinking I'll finally drain it enough to maybe get some sealed or something that might be in there that's sensor to where it will work. Well, that that wasn't happening, so I had to call a serious repair person. By the way, did I tell you it tore up two weeks after the warranty went out? <clears throat> so 
You know, it's, it's, we've got that schedule and, and the guy's supposed to come down there and, and do that. In the process, we've got a fan at the house that started shorting out a ceiling fan that started arcing and everything like that. So that was messing, you know, with, with my mind too. So I, I, the day comes that the serviceman is supposed to be down there. But, but before we even get to that, the day before her hot water heater kind of started messing up. So he had somebody to come in and work on the hot water heater. And then that morning when the Serviceman was supposed to come look at the washing machine. The hot water heater decided to go in meltdown mode and almost caught on fire. And Matt called me and said, There's smoke in the basement, things like that. So I try and finish up what I was doing to where I could go down there. He had turned the breaker off. I get there and you can smell it in the house and everything else. But I was in a rush. So when I go back out later, I figured out I pulled up in a rush on the motorcycle, put my kickstand down, which turns the motor off, but it doesn't turn the switch off. So I forgot to turn my switch off. So what happened, Rick? My battery was dead and you see we're we're needing to have the electricity on for the service man to do the work and and, and everything like that so he finally got it fixed uh you know just a, a year and two weeks old at expense of about two hundred dollars and and then the next you know day we're going out and finding you know a hot water heater and everything like that to get that lined up and put in. So about two and a half days or so of uh, of time that I needed to be doing this was gone. So I was frustrated by the end of the week. Do you understand what I'm saying? Frustrated? You ever been there? And I think why in the world are you telling all this if you're going to talk about salvation? Can you imagine how frustrating it would be to have been a Jew? and been reading what Paul was writing. Because they had been banking on their goodness. They had been banking on the the fact that they were God's people, and they were going to build a stairway to heaven through the Ten Commandments, obeying the Ten Commandments, and, and pridefully thinking that they were okay. And all of a sudden, they're told, along with the rest of the human race, how bad they are. Not just for them, I, I mean for us. Isn't it frustrating if you've ever tried to do this? Have you ever tried banking your eternity, betting your eternity on trying to be good? Because you see, that's really frustrating for you to try and do that and obey the law and obey the commandments and everything because you know what I'll find out? I keep falling short. I understand what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 7 that we'll get to eventually. The things that I'm not supposed to do, somehow that seems to be what I do and the things that I should be doing, somehow I don't wind up doing those things. Things. So if you're trying to base your eternity and your salvation on your performance, man, it's frustrating because you keep on messing up. You, you keep on falling short. You, you never get, you know, going on a pill where you think, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get there by my own goodness, God. I'm going to obey all these commandments you've given us, and I'm going to make it there. You see, it's really, really frustrating when we realize that we can't save ourselves. It's frustrating when you keep trying and trying and trying and trying to do it, and and you realize that you're just spinning your wheels. I will tell you, it's not as frustrating for you to do that and realize you can't save yourself and follow the cross of Jesus, then the frustration you'll have one day if you keep thinking that you can save yourself. And one day you hear Jesus say, depart from me, I never knew you. We saw in the last verse last week 
verse 20, right before our text today. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. See, you can't do it. You can't do it. Nobody can. I can't do it. We can't save ourselves. That's not even why the law was designed. The law was never meant to be, as I mentioned last week, a stairway to heaven where you think I'm taking one more step toward heaven and another step toward heaven and another step toward heaven and another step toward heaven by obeying the law. Instead, it's to make you realize that you are such a big sinner. There's no way you can save yourself. He tells us that, that no one will be justified. The, the law just brings more and more knowledge of sin, more and more guilt, more and more condemnation, more, more and more frustration in, in our lives. So guys, I, I, I don't know about you. I'm frustrated enough, aren't you? These, these past few weeks having to deal with sin, that must just frustrated me to death, although I know we needed to have dealt with it. I need a break from frustration, and Paul gives us a welcome break as we come to Romans chapter 3, and he writes these words, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Man, that little phrase, but now, is huge. Because he's just told them how messed up we are as a human race. He, he's just let them know you don't have any hope. There's no way you can save yourself. The law that you've been banking on is not going to do it for you. So right while they're trying to process all that's just been said in a really teachable moment, Paul says, but now. But now, at this specific time. You see, at this point, the reader of Romans should be really, really ready for some good news. Amen? Should really, really, really be ready to hear the gospel. And that's what Paul's going to give us. We might be frustrated because of the law and works, but I've got some good news for you. The good news Paul writes is this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. See, God was proven to be holy and righteous by the law. That showed how perfect God is, how, how perfect His standard is, how holy God is by, by, by the law being placed there, but it, but it never, ever can make man righteous. The law, if you'll read God's law, clearly proclaims to us how perfect God is. Look how perfect and holy His standard is. But it doesn't do anything to make us righteous because we cannot be saved by the law. It said God's righteousness is manifested apart from the law. See, the, the law in, in God's holiness is kind of like a, a, a measuring stick. And that measuring stick, if we'll use it to measure our lives, will let us know there's a big, big chasm between us and God. 
There's a big distance between where we are and where He is. If we'll allow the law to do that, if we'll allow the law and the righteousness of God to be a measure stick, then we look at our own lives and we understand that it shows us how far short we fall. See, the law was never a measure to be saved. It's a measure and stick, but it's not the means to be saved. Jesus Christ and His cross is the means. The, the law can never be a bridge that we can walk over from our sinfulness to the holiness of God. But the cross of Jesus is exactly that. The cross of Jesus is a bridge that gets us from our sinfulness by faith to His holiness. Jesus and His sacrifice on the cross manifest the righteousness of God. The word manifest, or your translation might say made known, means to disclose or to, to reveal to render apparent. The root word means shining. In other words, you know, if you want to really see God's righteousness shine, it's not that you obey in the law, it's through Jesus on the cross. If you really, really want to see the righteousness of God disclosed or revealed, God does this. Let me uncover it for you. Here's my righteousness. My son died on the cross for you. Is his righteousness apart from the law? That, that word apart from literally means out of space. Uh, gives the idea of an empty expanse or space or territory. We're, we're not to think that the law can save us and keep holding on to the law. Instead, we need to stand a distance from even trying to work our way to heaven because that's not what works. That's not his righteousness. The righteousness of God is manifest apart from the law, without the law. The law is not the method that will make us righteous. The law is not the ultimate thing that displays and puts on display the very righteousness of God. That's why we need to understand the good news is that we need the gospel. God's righteousness has been manifested for us in the cross of Jesus as He shed His blood for us. That's the gospel. The gospel is good news because Jesus died for our sins. And that's how we're righteous, not by trying to obey the law. That's just frustration. That's just being more and more and more frustrated. It's good news, but you understand it, it is not new news. You realize that? Because the gospel is testified about all through the Bible. All through the Old Testament, all those sacrifices were there to be shadows and pictures and types of Jesus that would come. The, the prophets in the Old Testament proclaimed time and time again the grace of God. They, they just missed it somehow and they wanted to hold on to the law of God. Habakkuk said this, the just shall live by faith. The gospel is not a recent creation because we failed to live up to God's law. It was always God's plan. God is an all-knowing God. Looked down through time and He saw you and I along with the rest of the human race. And He understood that we were without any ability and power whatsoever to save ourselves. He looked down through the human race and He had this gospel all along that is by faith, not by works. It is not a new gospel whatsoever. It's testified about all through the Bible. The Bible is his story. You've heard me use that before, some of you that's been around very long. You know what history is? History is his story. You know what the Bible is? It's his story. The Bible is about Jesus. Don't misread your Bible and think, oh, but it, all right, it's, it, it's about killing animals, and then somehow it's about killing Jesus. No, it's always about Jesus coming to be in the perfect sacrifice and dying on the cross for us. 
from one, the beginning page from one cover to the other cover. It is all about Jesus. It is all about His grace. That's the point of all the Old Testament. The gospel of grace is not new news, but it is complete news. And that's what Paul's saying. It's good news. It's not new news. But I can tell you something. It's the greatest news that you've ever heard. Because he goes on and he says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who do what? See, a lot of people think the gospel is behaving. You you just need to behave right if you want to go to heaven. But that's not the message of the gospel. The gospel is not behaving. The gospel is believing. He he didn't say there all who behave, all who work, all who are good enough. He he clearly told us there in that verse that the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. It's not working, it's not obeying the law, but it's all who believe. Look at some of the words that he uses there. The word through means a channel of act. So here's the way it happens. How does it happen? How are you made righteous? The channel of the act is this. It is by faith that you having a persuasion, a conviction is used especially in the New Testament for relying upon Jesus for salvation. The root word means to be convinced. In other words, you're just convinced of the truth of the gospel. You're convinced that Jesus is who He said He is, and He did what He said He'll do. It's through faith for all any, every, the whole, not just for some people, not just for the Jews, or not just for the Gentiles, or not just for white people, or not just for pretty people, or not just for rich people, or not just for poor people. It is for all who do what? Do you believe that? It's for all who believe. All who have placed their their faith in Jesus. All who have entrusted their their spiritual eternity, their spiritual well-being, their eternal destiny is wrapped up completely in Jesus Christ. Not in themselves, not in their own abilities, not in their works, but the gospel, the greatest message that you've ever heard is this. It is God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It is not a reward for our works. It's a gift that He wants to give us. And we'll talk more about the gift in just a moment. It's for all who believe. Some people say, well, I believe there's a God. Man, that's that's huge in this area. Church that I used to pastor, we did something called faith evangelism. You lean in Angie, they did it at the church that they they were at and everything. Man, you'd run into that all the time. And oh, I I'm a member of a church, you know, or or I believe there's a God. That's fine. You know what James tells us? The demons believe too. They believe there's a God. That don't mean they have faith in Him, trust in the finished work of Jesus upon the cross. It's more than just saying, I believe there's a God, or I believe that, you know, Jesus is real. No, it's you accepting His final, finished work on the cross once and for all for eternal destiny. It's not just saying, well, I, yeah, I believe He existed. Works 
The law frustrates because you can never do enough. That's why Paul moves from talking about that frustration to giving us good news that was never new news because it's always been God's plan and it's the greatest news you can ever hear. Second topic I want you to see this morning in in these verses is this. It kind of goes right along with the title of what we're talking about, but salvation is is by grace through faith in Christ. He's going to use a a lot of theological words here, and let me just read the verses, and then I'm kind of just going to walk you through these verses and, and not necessarily give exposition on every verse as we go, but I'm going to pull out some theological words, some terms, some important buzzwords that's in these verses here that you need to understand. He says, for there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. Man, we can stop there and go home. Amen? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation. What in the world does that mean? By His blood. To be revealed, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I want you to see several important terms or words that that Paul uses here. There's the first one, no distinction. No distinction. He said, for there's no distinction. He just finished telling us in the first part of the book, we're all what? Sinners. For, For all have sinned. There's no distinction. The Gentile world, sinners. The Jews, sinners. We've all sinned. You and I, sinners. Billy Graham, a sinner. We've all sinned. So there's no distinction for all of sin and we fall short of the glory of God. And we're justified by His His grace as a gift. Some words that he uses there, no is an absolute negative in the Greek. There are more than than one uh, words in the Greek that, that mean no, but this one is the one that is an absolute negative. He's saying absolutely there's no difference. God's not a respecter of persons. We're all sinners when we compare ourselves to Him. We've all sinned. There's no distinction. There's no There's no variance. No difference. Uh, he does not set some of us apart just because we're better than others or anything like that. No distinction has a negative. You understand that? The no distinction has a negative from this standpoint. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a huge negative. The fact that all of us are sinners. There's no distinction as far as God is concerned. We, we have all sinned. We all miss the mark is what the word means. And because we're missing the mark, we don't share in the prize. We all fall short of God's glory. We're, we're inferior. We have this deficit in our lives. The, the, the verse can read like this. For all have sinned once for all in Adam and are constantly coming short of the glory of God. When you look at it in the tenses in the Greek, that's where we are. We're all sinners because we're all sinners in Adam, but at the same time, we're all constantly falling short of God's glory because we can't do it by ourselves. But the no distinction doesn't just have a negative. The no distinction also has a huge positive because after he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, some people just read that and 
stop there. A lot of times in a gospel presentation, Roman, you know, going through Romans Road, if you've ever used that, it does that just a little bit. It kind of gives you that to say you're a sinner, and then it goes to other places to talk about salvation. Why not go ahead and talk about salvation here also? Because, yes, it does say all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but it also goes on and says, and are justified, we are made like we have never sinned by His grace as a gift. To me, it sounds like a really good place to go ahead and talk about salvation. Yes, we have all sinned. There's no distinction. That brings us to the second word he uses here. Justification or justified. It means to render or regard just or innocent. It doesn't mean you are innocent. It means God has made you innocent. In a court of law, if a judge finds someone not guilty, then it erases the record of that person being charged as being guilty of the crime because he is called not guilty. Now, that's not a perfect illustration because here's the deal with us. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. So we all are guilty, but God, through Jesus, makes us just like we've never sinned anyway. He, he calls us as though we're not sinners. He looks at us as though we've never sinned. When you receive Christ as your Savior. He, he renders or regards you as just or innocent or holy, not because of who you are, but because of who He is and because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. So there's no distinction. We're all sinners, but we all have to be saved the same way. We're justified by His grace is the next word I want you to see. By His grace. The, the word literally means the graciousness of manner. So, so God has this gracious manner about Him where God, although He's perfect and holy, wants to reach down to where we are sinners through His Son. God wants to have this gracious act. We don't deserve it, but God in His, in His grace has this act that He wants to perform for us, and that's putting His Son on the cross. Even though we don't deserve to be acceptable to God by His grace, He wants to make us acceptable to Him. He's going to accept us in spite of who we are because of our faith in Jesus. The word grace itself, we'll talk about gift in a moment, but it literally means a gift. The word grace refers to God's pleasure. You see, God by His own pleasure offers us His grace, offers us salvation. We can't deserve it. We can't demand it. He does it at His own pleasure. Liberality, that's a bad term in this day and time, but use it the right way, not like we think of, 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 of you know, liberalism in this day and time, but liberality means God's wanting to be so, so liberal with His love toward us that He sent His Son to die on the cross for us. And even though we don't deserve it and we can't earn it, He, in His grace, reaches down to us. As a gift is the next word I want you to see. Literally means freely. Some translations use the word freely. For, for no reason. The root word talked about a gratuity or a gift, a present, especially a sacrifice or an offering. The exact same word is translated in John chapter 15 and verse 25 like this, without a cause. Man, I like that translation because think of it like this. God offers us His grace without a cause. 
They're, they're without a cause. There's nothing in me where I deserve God to offer me His grace. There's nothing in you that you deserve for God to offer you His grace. The human race was not so deserving and so beautiful and so lovely. God just said, oh, I think I'll put my son on a cross for them. No, it was in spite of who we are. We, we're lost and undone. We've just spent weeks talking about how we are all sinners, how we cannot be good enough, how we cannot save ourselves by obeying the law. So God offers us salvation as a gift without a cause. If you are sitting back thinking, well, there's a cause that God has to let me into heaven that's tied up in who you are, then you have missed the grace of God. And I don't think you're saved, to be perfectly honest with you. If you're sitting back thinking there's some goodness in you that you're going to hold on to one day and present to God. No, the only way you or I or anyone will ever make it into the gates of heaven, the only way we ever receive forgiveness, the only way we ever become part of the family of God is this. It's without a cause but us trusting in Christ and God's grace. No reason whatsoever that God should do it based upon who we are. He does it as a, as a gift. And the gift was put in His Son on the cross. Redemption is the next word that He uses in the text. I want you to see that He used in those verses. He said, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's that word again that means the channel of the act, the method. That's what he's talking about. The way we receive God's grace, the way we receive salvation, the way we receive forgiveness is through the channel of the act, through the redemption. The word redemption means the act of ransom in... Did you see that word? Do you see it? Everybody look at that word. What does it say? Full. Ah. He did it all. When he shouted out, it is finished, that's what he meant. Jesus dying on the cross is not partial ransom for our sin. It is paid in full when Jesus died on the cross. If you receive Christ as your Savior and you're still walking around with guilt loaded on you from your past... Tell Satan to leave you alone. If you know that your Christ is your Savior, here's the deal with that. It is all paid for in full. It's as though you never did it as far as God's concerned. That term justification, it's just like you never sinned as far as God is concerned. Why? Because Jesus ransomed you in full. He, he paid the price for your sins on the cross. The root word means offer away from and, and then something to, to be loosed with. Maybe the best illustration for that was on the Day of Atonement in, in the Old Testament, in the, in the Jewish form of worship. In the Day of Atonement, they would take two goats. One goat would be sacrificed. The, the priest, the high priest, would put his hand upon that goat's head. By the way, he used the similar word that Jesus used on the cross when Jesus screamed out, it is finished. But the priest would put his hand on that goat's head, signifying the transference of the sins of all the Jewish people to this goat. And then that goat was killed. 
And they would take the blood from that goat and they would go behind the curtain in the most holy place to where there's a thing called the, the mercy seat. And upon that mercy seat, and the law was underneath that mercy seat, and upon that mercy seat, that blood was poured out representing payment, bloodshed between what was holding us guilty before God for the Jewish people. But there were two goats. The other goat was not killed. Instead, the other goat was also taken out to the edge of the encampment of the children of Israel. And also, the hand was placed upon the head. And there was representing the transference of the sins of the people to that goat. And that goat was called the scapegoat. And they would take that goat out so far in the wilderness and lose it that it can never, ever, ever find its way back. That's what Jesus did with our sins. Jesus is our scapegoat in both of those forms. He took our sin upon Himself. He shed His blood as payment for our sins. Our sins was transferred to Him, and He shed His blood on the cross. But He's also our scapegoat at the same time because He carried our sins so far away. As far as God's concerned, they can never, ever make it back to us. Psalms tells us this, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Thank God. Amen. If you're not happy about that, you're still thinking you're okay. <laughs> and I hope you'll change that viewpoint because you'll be sadly mistaken in the day of judgment. If you're honest about yourself and your sin, you ought to be so thankful that we have been redeemed. So thankful that Jesus took our sins to the cross. So thankful that He's our scapegoat. So thankful that He has carried our sins and paid for our sins away from us to where they can never, ever, ever, as far as God's concerned, make it back to our lives. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you'll never ever commit a sin. I'm saying if you're in Christ, when God looks at you, He doesn't see you and your sin. He sees His Son. And the very righteousness of His Son, because His Son carried those sins away. He uses this term that I bet you used five or six times today at work, or this week at work. Propitiation. Let me use that this week. You did around here for some what what kind of cuss word was that? Propitiation, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Now please, please get this. Salvation today we're talking about is free. Amen. It's free. But it sure wasn't cheap. Because Jesus paid for it. God paid for it for you with the shed blood of His own Son. If you've got a son, do you love your son? I've got a son. I've got daughters also. I love both of them. Can you imagine putting your child through that for somebody else? I've seen some of you love your children, love your sons. Been in hospitals with you and things like that sometimes when they're waiting surgery or they've been hurt or whatever the case is. I've seen you, you love your sons. You think God loved Jesus? Yes, he loves his son. One God in three persons. That's the unique relationship that they have. And yet he put his son on the cross as our propitiation. What in the world does that mean? Propitiation means to expiate. That's probably a word used a lot this week too, isn't it? That word means to atone for wrongdoing or to make amends. 
It talks about an atoning victim or a sacrifice. The same word was used to talk about the mercy seat that I just mentioned a moment ago. The exact same word is used to refer to the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant where the blood was applied. The root word means to conciliate or to make reconciliation. That's what it means when you see the word propitiation in the Bible. God sent His Son forth in our place in order that we might be reconciled to Him, in order that He can pay for our sins, in order that we might receive mercy. Jesus Christ is our mercy seat. Jesus shed His blood to cover for our sins against the holy righteousness of God. And then He uses this word, reception, to be received by faith. To be received by faith. It doesn't mean anything unless you're willing to receive it and believe it. It doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't change your eternal destiny just that it happened. Unless you are willing to receive it by faith. That word we've already seen, reliance upon Christ for salvation. Unless you're convinced, unless you'll believe, unless you'll receive completely by faith what Christ has done for you. Salvation is what we're talking about. Salvation is by grace and faith in Christ alone. In order that He might be the just and justifier. That He might be the just and justifier. This would just show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, in other words, God had not judged sin fully yet. He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness, God's righteousness, God's God being perfect in character at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. I jumped forward one week in the series already, and, and, and we looked at this verse. But it's a really, really important verse. You see, you need to understand something. We, we've got a, a culture today that says, well, God is love. And He is. Thank God, huh? He is. But people have perverted that to saying God is love, so He'll never judge anybody. God just loves everybody and, and God, a loving God, won't condemn anybody to a place called hell. That's the way our culture has started twisting that the truth of God's message. Well, God is love, but you understand this also, God is holy. He's holy, that means He's perfect. That means God can't sin against Himself. That means God must uphold His standard of righteousness. That means God must be consistent within Himself. So God, in order to be just, had to pay for our sins because we couldn't do it ourselves. So that's why He's also the justifier. He sent His Son to die on the cross in our place. God is always right. He's always equitable in character. He's always innocent and holy. Satan cannot lay a charge against Him and say, God, you created these people and, and you hold your law against them and they can't live up to it. See, that could be a charge that could be brought against God. But it cannot be brought against God by Satan or anyone else because God is just, He's holy, He's right. And He met His holiness by sending His Son to die on the cross for our sins. He can also be our justifier. 
He can also render us just or innocent for all time when we believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. When we put faith not in ourselves, not in obeying the Ten Commandments, not in obeying the law, not in works, not in our unrighteousness because we have none, but when we simply put faith in Jesus Christ, taking God at His Word. God is not just just, He's also the justifier. He makes us just like we've never sinned. You've heard the phrase, someone taking a bullet for somebody else. That's more or less what Jesus did. Jesus stepped in the line of fire and He took your bullet when He died on the cross for your sins. The first topic this morning was frustration because that's all you'll get out of trying to work your way to heaven, trying to live up to the law. All you will get is frustration. The second topic we looked at this morning is salvation is by faith. In Christ alone. And that's why I took all that time to go through those terms because those are very important terms that you need to be aware of in the Bible. I, I want us to close, but it's taken a minute to talk about appreciation for salvation by faith alone. We ought to appreciate it. We ought to boast in Jesus, not in ourselves. Paul writes these words. Next slide, please. Then what becomes of our boasting? I mean, what do we have to boast about? By, by what kind of law? I mean, what are we bragging about? What law, what method are we bragging that we have obeyed? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, He will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. And then He kind of you know, raises a question that the Jews might wanted to throw up. Do, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Now, now quickly notice three things that Paul mentions there, and then, and then we'll close. First of all, I want you to notice this. No self-righteous boasting is allowed. What do we have to brag about? If it is of grace, if it is a gift, if it is of no cause within ourselves, that God offers us salvation through Christ, what in the world do you and I have to brag about? You see, the, the principle of both law and faith makes it impossible for us to brag. The law makes it impossible for us to brag because the law just proves we're messed up, we're sinners. Faith makes it impossible for us to brag because what do we have to brag about? We didn't do it, God did. Jesus did it for us. I mean, think about how foolish it would be for a swimmer that's grounding to be saved by the lifeguard and then when he gets ashore, he brags about himself and the faith that he had in the lifeguard. I mean, how foolish would that be? What could he do but be saved? Because he was getting ready to go down and die. All he could do was give himself over 
to the lifeguard. And that's all we can do with Jesus. He gives us the faith that we need. We don't need to go around boasting about our great faith because it's His faith to start with. The only thing we need to boast in is not our works, not our abilities, not how we think we might be good in some manner, not even brag about the faith that we have. All we've got to brag about is Jesus and Him crucified. That's all we have to boast about. And if we boast about anything else, we are really, really being prideful and missing the power and the message of the gospel. See, most religions, the difference with Christianity, most religions, and I've told you before, I don't think Christianity is necessarily a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus. Most religions give you a list of things you have to do in order to be good enough to go to heaven. Christianity, God reaches down through Jesus in order that through faith in Him, we might go to heaven. There's no basis for self-pride whatsoever. Ephesians tells us this, for by grace, we've already talked about that, the unmerited favor of God, we don't deserve it. No cause of ourselves. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So no self-righteous boasting, okay? Second thing I want you to get is this. There's only one way of salvation for all people. He's the God of the Jews and the God of the Gentiles. And He offers only one method of salvation for both. And that is by faith in Him. Period. In the Old Testament, they were looking forward accepting the promise of God. Abraham, we'll see this coming up quickly, but Abraham believed God, and the Bible says it was what? It was counted to him for righteousness. That's the only way. Abraham wasn't some perfect human figure. The Bible tells us about Abraham lying and other character flaws in in Abraham. He believed God. He took God at His Word, and it was counted to him as righteousness. There's only one way of salvation for the Jews and the Gentiles. Somehow the Jews missed that. Somehow the Jews thought it meant they were special and and they elevated themselves instead of looking at themselves as being a way that God would bless the rest of the world. They kind of elevated themselves like, look at us, we're the Jews, and look at all the rest of the dogs in the world. When, When God had already promised Abraham, all the peoples on earth would be blessed through you, through your bloodline. It was never meant for the Jews to act like they're exclusive and everybody else is just trash. Which, by the way, can I bring that up in contemporary times? We better be careful as the church that we don't act like that too because we don't own God, we don't own Jesus, our denomination doesn't, our church doesn't. The only thing that honors the head is the whole body. And then next, the whole body of all the denominations, all believers, to be the body that, that Christ wants to have. We don't need to be exclusive, acting like we're better than, than, than somebody else. The church acts like that, and that's why people don't want to come to church, to be honest with you. The church acts like we're better than everybody else, and we're exclusive, and we're all nice and holy, and everybody else is sinful and deserves to go to hell. That's why they don't want to come to church, and that's why they don't want to listen to the gospel when you try and share it, because the church has acted like a bunch of self-righteous bigots. Now, don't come back on me and say, oh, but all this preacher stuff, all the, you've been talking about lately, Chick-fil-A. Listen, the Bible's the Bible. You have to stand on the truth of God's Word. That doesn't mean you have to hate people and look down on them because you're telling people what the truth is. 
There's one way of salvation, and that's through Christ. Last thing I want you to get is this. The gospel establishes the law. He raised the question, well, are we tearing the law down? Are we destroying the law? No, the gospel really fulfills the law because Jesus did this. Jesus fulfilled every bit of God's righteousness, every bit of God's holiness, every bit of the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of it all when he went to the cross. Jesus is my law. Jesus is your law if you believed in Him by faith because He fulfilled all the law. Jesus is our sacrifice for sin. Jesus is our Sabbath, and we rest in Him instead of thinking you have to worship only on a Saturday. Jesus is our Sabbath. Jesus is our Passover. Jesus is our high priest, if you know Christ as Savior. Jesus is my covenant with God. Jesus is my holiness before God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus does it all. Just look at a chart, and then we're going to close. Why is faith the law of God's kingdom instead of the Ten Commandments? Number one, faith eliminates the pride of human effort because faith is not a deed that we do. Number two, faith exalts what God has done, not what we think we have done or what we can do. Number three, faith admits that we can't keep the law or measure up to God's standards and we need help. Number four, faith is based on our relationship with God, not our performance for God. Salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Years ago, the theologian and uh, a pastor, also in Christian, offer uh, Dr. G. Campbell Morgan was trying to share about Jesus and salvation being free to a miner, a man that worked in a mine. And he just couldn't get the, the, the man to wrap his mind around it. Couldn't get him to accept the fact that that salvation is free because the miner kept saying, no, there, there has to be something that I have to do. I have to pay. I have to do something. And G. Campbell Morgan was trying to think, well, how can I get him to understand? And then he thought about the man's job. And he said, well, when you went down in the mine this morning, how did you get there? And the man said, well, I, I got on the elevator that the mining company had installed and everything, and it took me down, and I did my work and, and everything. So he, he said, well, how did you get out of the mine, out of that hole once you were, you were down in there? And, and he said, well, I, I, I got on the elevator, and, and, it, and it brought me out. And, uh, and he said, well, how much did you have to pay? It must have cost you a lot to, to ride up and down that elevator. And the man just kind of laughed and he said, well, no, it didn't cost me anything. He said it probably cost the mining company a, a lot. And then all of a sudden it clicked. Salvation doesn't cost me anything. It costs God a lot. By sending His Son to die on the cross for our sins. Salvation is free, but it's not cheap. Sometimes people, we're getting ready to do this thing called an invitation. It makes everybody nervous a lot of times because people get all wiped out about, you know, having to step out in public and everything like that. Can I tell you something? Jesus died publicly on a cross for you. 
And, and I've tried in a detailed way for the last several weeks to talk about sin, and I've tried in a detailed way to talk to you about salvation today. But sometimes people have all kinds of excuses. I, I want you to notice this statement right here. Faith in Jesus Christ doesn't mean we understand everything that Christ has done for us, but it does mean that we believe that He has done everything for us. Do you see the difference? Don't, don't sit back and, and, and say, well, but I just don't understand. I can't figure it out. I don't understand it all. You don't have to understand it all. You just have to understand that He's done it all. And believe that He's done it all. You keep trying to save yourself and keep trying to obey the law or think you can be good, it's just going to bring more frustration into your life. Salvation comes by one way and one way only. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And because of that, we ought to show appreciation to Him. Amen? So, as the band comes out in just a moment, we evaluate your life and where you really are before God. Are you really frustrated about the way you live and whether or not you think you're going to heaven? Might be a really good reason for that. Maybe you've never fully trusted in Jesus and you're still holding on to yourself. So if you don't know for sure, <laughs> if you're really frustrated about knowing where you'll be at in eternity, salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ alone is the clear message of the gospel. Why not believe that today and be willing to step forward and come and put that type of faith in Jesus, the faith that God wants to give you right now? And for the rest of us that know it already, we've got an opportunity right now in just a minute to sing and show some appreciation. We've got an opportunity in just a minute when we leave and go out these doors to go out in this world and live a life of appreciation. Not boasting in ourselves, but go from here boasting in Jesus and what He's done. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> Father, I pray right now that You'd God especially speak to the heart of anyone that does not know Christ as Savior. Lord, help them with their frustration. Help them to see that it's impossible that they can save themselves by, by obeying the law, by the deeds of the law. You tell us clearly in Your Word that no one will be made right before You. No one will be forgiven of their sins by trying to be good. You tell us clearly that it is that being justified, being made like we have never sinned, is completely and totally through faith in Jesus. The Father, I pray right now, there's someone here that needs that faith, that you give it to them. God, for those of us that know, thank you. God, thank you that you've paid it all for us. Thank you that we don't have anything to boast about except you. Father, help us to live lives that boast about You. Help us to worship right now and celebrate and appreciate what You've done for us in Your Son and help us to boast about You. For it's in Christ's name we pray.
Amen. Please stand. God speaks to your heart and you need to come. Please come. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.